Do you have art on your walls? Things you've collected? Objects that hold memories and stories from different parts of your life? On today's episode, I'll talk about what to do with the art and other things that others may or may not consider valuable. Hello and welcome to Dying Kindness, the podcast for people who are going to die someday. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday. Spoiler alert, you will too. So let's all do what we can to make key decisions now in order to be kinder to the people we'll leave behind. That's a dying kindness. Before I dive in, I want to remind you that dying kindness is listener supported. Notice there are no ads. If you like what I'm doing, if you get value from it and you want to give back, go to dyingkindness.com. You can do a monthly contribution or a one-time donation through Buy Me a Coffee or Patreon. I also have a bookstore with books that I've read and recommend related to all aspects of death, dying, and grief. And if you're not yet on my mailing list, please sign up. You'll get a free template for your death binder, as well as advance notice of upcoming workshops and other resources that I send out about once a month. Thank you so, so much to all of you for being here. I love sharing what I've learned with all of you. Speaking of that, let me get back to today's episode. Most of my life, I've made art of one kind or another. As a kid, I remember getting at least one craft kit as a gift for every birthday and Christmas. I enjoyed learning different kinds of handcraft techniques, and I started a lifelong habit of adding decoration to just about everything. I also wrote all the time, and by high school, I thought I'd make that my profession. That is, until I discovered theater, which eventually became my major and my profession for many years. I was, unsurprisingly, pretty broke most of the time. I mean, it was theater. I was also filled with a love of art and lots of respect for the effort and skills that it takes to make it. So many years later, when I was working in the world of corporate events, I was thrilled to finally have enough money to buy art. I preferred buying directly from artists, whether locally or when I traveled. Each piece has meaning for me, reflecting a moment in my life or a particular person that I was connected to at the time. I've also been given many wonderful things, from small trinkets to larger works that others would also recognize as art. I know that while I feel the resonance of each thing when I look at it, these objects may or may not be considered valuable by others after I die. A few are by working artists and may retain monetary value, but others likely will not. It would be hard to know just by looking at them. I encountered this quandary after my stepmother died. She had collected a number of paintings and drawings, so many they didn't fit on her walls. I remember her mentioning the names of some artists over the years, people who were significant in her Oceanside tourist town. But none of the names stuck with me, and most of the art was not in my style. To me, they all became yet more things we just needed to manage in some way. We didn't have the artist's names and were not inclined to spend a whole lot of time hunting down that information, even if we had known where to start. I expect that this is the origin of many of those stories that we hear about how someone found a valuable painting at a garage sale or in the back bin of a thrift shop. When someone dies and there's an entire house to clean up, It can be hard to find the energy or the inclination to hold on to something and then to just extend the process by 
committing to a search for information about the creator just in case it turns out to be valuable. In the process called Swedish death cleaning, they suggest having friends and family tell you which pieces of art they'd like and then attach their names to it. If it's something like a painting, you can take a piece of tape and put it on the back of the frame. And you can put a name on the bottom of a vase. For smaller objects, you can take a photo with their name written on paper next to it. Or you can write directly onto the photo if it's a Polaroid or something like that. But even before you get to that stage, I'd like to encourage you to write down the names of the artist and any other identifying information and attach it to the piece. If you believe that it's financially valuable, write down your purchase information or have the item appraised and then include that information in your death binder or include that in the attached note. Then you can go one step further and write down a story about it and what makes it important to you or record a video of yourself just talking about the thing. That way you can transfer the non-monetary value of the things that you treasure. Talk about who gave it to you or the trip you were on when you got it or just what the piece means to you. Whenever someone in my life has died, I most value the things that are part of my own memories about them. And then after that, I treasure the items that they treasured. The stories and feelings that they shared with me about the things make them really, really sweet. Things are just things unless we imbue them with stories and emotions. Be kind to your loved ones and to the objects you'll leave behind by recording the reasons that they matter to you. Thank you for joining me today. If you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please share it with them. That's the best thing that you can do to support me and my mission to change our society's reluctance to talk openly about death. Let's work together to not make it harder than it has to be. For more about all of this, go to dyingkindness.com. Today's music is by Blue Dot Sessions, and everything else was done by me. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday but hopefully not before I finish labeling all of my art. And now, here's a conversation starter that can help you have those talks you've been meaning to have. This one comes from someone who did clock repair. He knew a man who owned one valuable and much-loved grandfather clock. Thing is, this man had two daughters. In his will, he specified that if they died on an even-numbered day, one daughter would get the clock, and if he died on an odd-numbered day, the other one would inherit it. I love this idea. Have you heard of other ways to fairly and clearly distribute valuable objects that might be coveted by more than one person? Send them to me. I'd love to hear more. <laughs>